my topic today is posed in the form of a question. Why water baptism? So would you open your Bibles or click to Acts chapter 16, whichever type of Bible you use, whether it's electronic or paper, Acts 16. What we'll learn is that God is in the business of changing lives. And it is amazing that when the gospel intersects the life of people, no matter how different they may be, some rich, some poor, some famous, some unknown, some very religious, some irreligious, they each have this experience with being transformed by God. And I want to take you now to the city of Philippi. Two men are preaching the gospel, Paul and Silas. As they were going about the city preaching, something peculiar happened. There was a young lady following them and yelling as they were preaching. She was yelling this, These men are from the Most High God. Listen to them. The content of what she was saying was true. The spirit that was behind what she was saying was demonic. Paul became unnerved after a couple of days, turned to her, didn't speak to her, but spoke to the spirit inside of her and says, come out, and the demon came out. It just so happened that this woman, because she was demonized or demon-possessed, she had the ability to tell people their future. She was a fortune teller. She was also a slave. When her masters saw that what happened to her, that means she got delivered, got set free. When her masters saw that when she got delivered, her ability to tell the future or tell people their fortune was gone, they grabbed Paul and Silas, brought them in front of the authorities, and without a trial, the authorities beat them with a rod and then threw them into prison. And I want us to now go and join them right now in prison as we read Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. I want you to come and get in one of those those handcuffs that was on Paul, those foot locks that were on Paul, deep in the recesses of this cold, damp Philippian prison. 
I don't know about you, but I'd be angry. And Paul and Silas, their emotions were totally different. These guys were in the prison praying. I get that. Singing, I don't get. They were singing hymns to God. Could you imagine that? At midnight. That's, by the way, why we have things like the midnight watch. Because we know that God does tremendous miracles when we inconvenience ourselves and meet with Him at odd hours. So these guys are in the prison. Midnight, they're praying. Loud. It wasn't whispering under your breath. Singing. Loud. One person said, I know what song they were singing. We said, how do you know? He said, I know. What was it? Jailhouse rock. There's no jailhouse rock. That's, the Bible is silent as to what song they were singing. But we do know they were singing hymns to God. And God was listening. And then the foundations of the prison began to shake violently. The prison doors opened supernaturally. Cuffs fell off supernaturally. Cuffs around the feet fell off supernaturally. The jailer woke up. I don't know what point in their praying or in their singing he had fallen asleep, but I do know he woke up. And when he woke up, he's about to kill himself because he knows the Roman government's policy. If a prisoner escapes, whether you did something accidentally, unintentionally, but it was under your watch, whatever was going to happen to that prisoner, we're going to do to you. So the jailer grabs his sword about to kill himself because he knew his penalty. And then Paul yells out, do yourself no harm. We're all here. That's odd. If it was me in that prison... Man, I run slow, but I would have ran out of there. I don't know about you. I would have, <laughs> I'm gone. Put my Nikes on. I'm gone. If I didn't have Nikes, I'm still gone. The jailer calls for lights. Lights! They get these lamps, kerosene lamps, candles. They go into the recess of the, of the, of the prison. There's Paul, there's Silas. The scripture says, he fell trembling in front of them. And then he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They led him to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And right afterwards, he got water baptized. That begs the question, why Water baptism. Answer, water baptism is a statement. The jailer was very specific in his question. He knew that there was something different about Paul and Silas. They honored him by recognizing the value of life. He, they could have sat there and watched him kill himself and said, good for him. They, they didn't do that. They were singing hymns. And praying to God, he knew that there was something different about these guys. His question was very singular, very specific, very vulnerable. Guys, what must I do 
to be saved. That word saved, it's a technical theological word. Meaning is simple. It means delivered, protected, healed, preserved, to be made whole. So the jailer was saying, what must I do to be protected from the life that is to come? I know I'm destined to live life eternally apart from God. What must I do to be delivered from my sinfulness? What must I do to be made whole from my brokenness? Their answer was equally succinct and equally singular. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It means to put your hope in, to put your confidence in, to put your reliance upon, to put your trust in Jesus and you'll be saved. So apparently the fact that this jailer gets water baptized tells us then that he made a statement. Water baptism is a statement that you make. The statement is like this. I believe in Jesus. I put my hope in Jesus. I've turned my life over to Jesus. I've placed my confidence in Jesus. Water baptism is a statement that you make. In fact, verse 34 of Acts 16 tells us what the jailer said. The jailer brought them into his house, that's Paul and Silas, and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Water baptism is a personal statement of your belief in God. Question, do you believe in God? Question, have you made the statement that you do by being water baptized? Because that's what water baptism does. It is, it is a statement. It's, it's more than words. It's a public action that says, I have turned my life over to Jesus Christ and I have been delivered, healed, preserved. I have been made whole. I, I've been set free from my sinful life and I've been water baptized to make a statement that I believe in Jesus. In fact, the early church... They used to recite a creed. A creed is a succinct statement of faith. For example, one creed is, I believe in Jesus. That's a creed, a succinct statement of faith. But they used to recite the Apostles' Creed, the baptismal candidates, that is. In fact, the pastors would ask them the creed and ask them if they believe. They would say to the candidates, Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son? Our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church? the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting? If so, say, Amen. And they would say, this is our faith. 
we believe. Water baptism is a statement that you make. I come back to my original question again. Why water baptism? Answer, water baptism is a sign. After the jailer's statement of belief, he was shortly baptized. See, the word baptized, it means to immerse in water. Now, some traditions sprinkle water on you, or they put their finger in a bowl of water and then make the sign of a cross with water on the tip of their finger on you. They do that for convenience sake. But the scripture says, and the very meaning of the word baptized means to immerse in scripture. Jesus was immersed in the Jordan River. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And so if Jesus got in the water, was baptized in the water, and the Bible throughout all of the books teach us water baptism is an immersion, I'm going to go beyond what's convenience and won't sprinkle, I won't put a sign of a cross with water on my finger on you. Here's water. Let's get you baptized the biblical way. But water baptism is a sign. It's a sign of a changed life. It says that I used to be like this. I'm no longer that. I'm now this. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. The jailer was saying, I had an encounter with God. I'm not what I used to be. I, I'm now different. I, I don't know all of what I am, but I do know I've been changed. And so I want to be water baptized. Why? To show that I was someone that was dark and, and, and ugly on the inside. And the change that took place inside of me, I want to now have a public outward sign that says, I'm no longer what I used to be, but I am now what God's called me to be. The old jailer is gone. The new jailer has come. I've been saved. And water baptism is a sign to reflect that very thing. It is a public sign. If you stand close to me, and maybe the camera can zoom in, I wear a wedding band on this left hand. You may say, is that a fashion statement? I say, no, no, no. It's fashionable, but it's not a fashion statement. I have this ring on as a public sign to show that 35 years ago, I gave my heart to Marlinda Karen Reeves, who became Marlinda Karen Ireland. It shows I'm married. It is a sign. Now, if I lose this ring, God forbid, <laughs> now, my wife will kill me, but apart from that, if she does not, if I have this ring, if I lose it, it doesn't invalidate what happened in the covenant words that was exchanged at the altar, in the statement I made. And for me, so many years, even if I took the ring off, you still see the marks of a ring. I can't, I can't get free. <laughs> I have this ring on, and the mark is there. It shows that, hey, man, this is it. <laughs> My wife says, we never talk about divorce. Murder, but never divorce. <laughs> the idea is that this ring is a sign, a public sign. So when that jailer got baptized, he was making a public sign of salvation. It is not only a public sign indicating the inward work that took place in you, it is also a public sign that identifies you with the person of Jesus Christ. Excuse me, with the person of Jesus Christ. 
Romans 6 verse 3, Paul says, Don't you know that all who share in Christ Jesus by being baptized also share in his death? When we were baptized, we died and were buried with Christ. We were baptized so we would live a new life as Christ was raised to life by the glory of God the Father. If we shared in Jesus' death by being baptized, we will be raised to life with him. So we conclude, water baptism is a sign that I identify myself with Jesus Christ. If you are someone that's born again, you're saved, you've been delivered, you've been set free, but you have not yet been water baptized, you need to be water baptized so you can be able to publicly say the statement, I've been saved, but then the identification of a sign to say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm going to be water baptized publicly to authenticate, to, to publicly display, I have been Set free by Jesus. Now, this one of you sitting here right now, you say, Pastor, I know I need to be. Let me tell you, you can still join the ranks of these men and women and young people today. You say, Today, look at the way I'm dressed. I'm not dressed for baptism. Hey, we have all the t shirts and shorts, we have towels, we have everything you need. What do you need? We anticipated you being here and anticipated you saying, I want to do it here and now. I love the fact that the jailer, he didn't sit there and equivocate and, and start coughing and start coming up with reasons to rationalize his unwillingness to be water baptized. This jailer, anybody that deals with prisoners all day long, vocationally, you become rough. You become hardened. You become callous. You become insensitive. You, you, you just you get jaded because you deal with some of the dregs of the world. And we understand that. And this jailer, he, he's seen it all. And yet he rushes in. Lights. I've not seen this. What do I need to do to get saved? They led him. They said, believe in Jesus and you shall be saved. In fact, there's some of you sitting here right now that you need to get saved. And I'm going to give you the opportunity at the end of my talk to get saved. And that jailer afterwards got baptized because he knew and learned quickly, baptism is a sign I've been saved. One little boy walked up to his pastor and said, Pastor Rick, when can I get advertised? He didn't know the word baptized. He thought it was advertised. And so his mistake was really truthful. Because when you do get baptized, you're advertising by way of a sign, I have been saved. See, salvation, it healed that jailer of the numbness to human depravity and injustice. Watch the contrast the old man, the new man, the old jailer, the new jailer. The old jailer didn't care that Paul and Silas were imprisoned on false charges. The new jailer led them out of the jail. The old jailer didn't care that they sat in prison, bloodied from the vicious beating. The new jailer washed their wounds. Water baptism is a sign you're saved. 
The old jailer didn't care that Paul and Silas were starving. The new jailer brought them into his home and set a meal before them. Why? Water baptism is a sign you're saved. The old jailer didn't care that his family was destined to hell and in need of a savior. The new jailer was empathetic towards the spiritual needs of his family. And he brought home two evangelists, Paul and Silas, in the middle of the night and said, Please, share the gospel with my family. I want them to have what I have. Old jailer didn't care about the spiritual well-being of his family. New jailer was delighted to be able to give them access to the gospel. I want you to see water baptism is a sign you're saved. The old jailer was indifferent towards God. The new jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. Water baptism is very real. I remember distinctly, I was 20 years old when I gave my life to Christ. About two months later, I got water baptized when I learned about it. And there was this young girl young lady, college student as well, that also gave her life to the Lord around the same time as I did on my campus, did undergraduate at Fairleigh Dickinson University, a Teaneck campus. And the church announced water baptism was going to happen that Sunday night. And during the week, she had gotten injured. She was on the basketball team, the varsity girls basketball team. And she had so sprained and twisted her ankle, it had to be in a cast, but she still wanted to be water baptized. She said, David, would you drive me? And so I remember going to her dorm, pulling up, getting out of the car, opening the front passenger door, letting her in because she had crutches and she's hobbling. I take her crutches, let her, you know, ease her in very gently, close the door on her very gently, put the crutches on the back seat, drove off. When we got to church, Parked, went around to the front passenger seat, opened the door, got her crutches, helped her out of the car. So she's hobbling in the church with her crutches. She goes to where the women would change to get ready for baptism. And as she's going into the baptismal pool, there's the pastor and one of the ministers of the church. And when he dipped Antoinette into the water and said, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, and he raised her back up, Antoinette started to scream with this loud voice, I'm healed! In the baptismal pool, God healed her ankle. And she jumped up and down. She couldn't put pressure on it before. Jumped up and down in the pool, ran out of the pool, ran around the church celebrating what God did. I saw in my own eyes that this rite, R-I-T-E, of baptism is not some dry, empty, religious ritual. The Holy Spirit meets you in the pool of baptism. As you men and women get baptized today, go into the pool with faith and say, God, meet me here in the pool of baptism and do something powerful. Why? Because as I get baptized today, it is a sign that I've been saved. So you need to get ready. And for you who say, you know, I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure. I'm saying, hey, jump in. Confirm, make the statement. And make, realize water baptism is a sign. Water baptism, finally, it's a seal. It ratifies. It affirms. It confirms God's dealing with your life.
Acts 2 verse 38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached that water baptism is a sign that you've repented. This verse also says it's an identifier that you've repented of your sin. So it becomes a seal. Because the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's a seal. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 what the Holy Spirit's seal means. Paul says, Now... It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal, stamp of approval, of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. When you link these two verses together, Acts 2 and 38, 1 Corinthians 1, 20 and verse 21, verse 21 and 22 rather, it lets us know that water baptism is a seal. It is a stamp of ownership that God puts on you. And you say, well, what, what about someone who is not really born again and gets water baptized? Well, it's like someone who has a fake diploma. They go into the water, a dry sinner, and come out a wet sinner. A seal of approval or a seal, water baptism is a seal, a stamp of ownership and a firm affirmation. It's just like when you graduate high school or college or grad school. And when you get that diploma and you walk across stage and that faculty member or that board of trustees member hands you that diploma, the diploma says that you have gone through all the examinations and qualified in order to be able to earn this seal of the university's, the university's authorization that you have all the rights and privileges of whatever that degree shows. Now some people fake their diploma. You'll know it's fake. Ask them a question. In a few minutes you'll know <laughs> nobody's home. You know they, <laughs> they fake the degree. But when you do have that diploma that you've worked for it, it is a seal and the university affirms that you have, we grant you the rights and privileges of this degree that you have worked hard to earn. That's what water baptism says. Water baptism is God's seal to say, you have the right and privilege to go after all of my promises and all of the, 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 the uniquenesses of salvation. You have all access, all rights. I grant you because you are now mine. I seal you with my Holy Spirit. And water baptism is another seal that says, you are mine. I don't know about you, but I am thankful to the Lord for the ability to have been water baptized after I believed. That jailer that night was transformed. When he came home with these two evangelists, waking up the family that we are in the morning, and then they cooked a meal and Paul and Silas presented the gospel, they saw their changed dad or changed husband or changed son. They knew he's no longer what he used to be, that crusty, callous, tough man. God melted his heart. I want what my dad has. I want what my husband has. His parents may have said, I want what my son has. And the entire household got saved and got baptized that same day. These candidates are ready. 
And I want to lead you in this moment of water baptism.